Rav Yonah Reis, to share some Torah this morning as we continue to be miskasher, to connect, and to be marba the schuyos, to increase the merits for those who are still in captivity today. And their Bolshem should bring us to Yeshua, Bechavah Gadol, the Avbezdin of the Chicago Rabbinical Council, Rav Yonah Reis Shlita. Thank you very much, Rabbi Brand. It's a couple to be here this morning, and especially in the discourse of all the Shibuyim, all of the captives whom we pray for their speedy and safe and healthy release, Bikarov, and for an eventual end and victory to this Mahama. Yep. Uh, so uh, I wanted to say a few words just to maybe be mechazik ourselves of some of the things that we should be thinking about during this period, particularly as it relates to Chodesh Shabbat that we're in uh, right now. We're in Dalad Shvat. We know there's a machlokis between Beis Hillel and Beis Shammai regarding what's considered to be the Rosh Hashanah, what is the new year for Ilan, for, for trees. According to Beis Shammai, it's a Rosh Chodesh, and according to Beis Hillel, it's Tu Bishvat, the 15th day of Shvat. Uh, so we have something uh, to look forward to, Bekarov, in 11 days, so it will be uh, Tu Bishvat. Uh, it should uh, be, uh, begin the, the blossoming of uh, only good things, Besoros Tovos, for Klau Yisrael. So the question is, what's this Machlok is based upon, that Beis Shammai says the new year is already Rosh Chodesh, and Beis Hillel says, no, you got you to gotta wait until the 15th day of the, the month. Uh, so uh, there's a, a very uh, interesting essay by uh, Shlomo Yosef Zebin in his Sefer, Luar HaHalacha. It's uh, cited by my Rebbe, Rabbi Mordechai Willig Shlita, in which he explains that what they're really arguing about is whether we emphasize the potential or whether we emphasize the realization of uh, the potential. Uh, when it comes to Rosh Chodesh Shvat, already most of the rains of the season in Eretz Yisrael have uh, fallen, so the trees are already, uh, in terms of being equipped uh, to start uh, growing. I'm sorry? The rains just started, though. Uh, but they, they're supposed to be finished, so mostly, <laughs> yeah, okay. But, but the, the way that it generally works is that you have uh, the Revere, Rishonah, Shnia, Shlishis, all that taking place uh, so in, in the period of Malcheshvan. By the time that you're already at the point of Rosh Chodesh Shvat, the majority of the rains are supposed to have fallen. It's the way it's supposed to work. Sometimes it takes longer. We have Tanisim. You have fasts that have to be conducted when the rains are late. And there's a whole series. It's all spelled out in Masechus Tainis. But in the normal course, this is the way that it's supposed to be. And therefore, when you reach Rosh Chodesh Shvat, uh, generally, uh, you have the potential for the fruits to start blossoming and the trees uh, to sprout forth. Um, Tu Bishvat, however, is the day when things actually begin happening. That's when the sap rises up from the bottom of the tree. It rises up the tree. And now, already, the, 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 the buds of the fruits are ready to begin to, to blossom uh, because the process has actually begun. Uh, so Basilo says, we don't merely uh, celebrate uh, potential. We celebrate an actualization, a realization of uh, the potential. And therefore, uh, that's why we celebrate the Rosh Hashanah for Ilanos 
on a tubishvat itself when the sap begins to rise. Of course, it's only the beginning of the blossoming. It's still uh, dark and it's still uh, wintry uh, outside and uh, you don't uh, see necessarily the beauty of uh, the, the spring and uh, the fruits that, that have come forth, but the beginning of the process has already uh, been initiated and therefore uh, that's a reason to celebrate. Uh, this machlokis as uh, to whether you wait until the process has begun or simply when the potential is there, plays out in a couple of other areas uh, of uh, halacha as well. Uh, the Gemara in Brachos brings a machlokis between Beishamay and Beishilil uh, regarding what bracha do you make on uh, the fire on Motzei Shabbos when we make uh, the, the, the bracha on the Eish. We just did this last night. So what bracha do we make? We say, We don't think uh, twice about it. Borei Merei Aish is, however, only the opinion of Beis Hillel. Beis Hillel says, you say, Borei Merei Aish. Beis Shammai says, you say, Bara Meor Aish. It's past tense, and only one of illumination of fire. Meor Aish, not Meorei Aish, not multitudinous, uh, different uh, colorful shades of fire. So what's the Machlokis? So explains Rezevin, Machlokis is along similar lines. Beshamai focuses on the potential. HaKadosh Baruch Hu created the Or HaGonus, created the primordial light, monochromatic type of light that was of a single shade, but it had the potential to create or to set into motion all of the future flames, all of the future variations of colors of flames that would be in the future. Uh, Beis Hillel says uh, that's all nice and good, uh, but we don't make a bracha on the fact that the Or HaGonus uh, set forth uh, the potential for all future flames. We make a bracha on what we have right now, that we have actualized those flames, the multitudinous uh, colors, the multi-wicks that we have in the Havdalah candle, and we see so many different nuances of different flames, types of illumination, colors of the fire. So therefore we say in the plural, what are all of the different shades uh, that have been caught, that have been set forth of fire, and Borei, because it's right now. So Borei, Merei Ha'esh. We also find this with respect to Hanukkah, which is the last major holiday that we celebrated, that we know that uh, there's a major machlokis between Beishama and Beishilil about how many candles do we, do we light uh, each day of Hanukkah. Beishama says you start with eight, and you you work your way down until you get to one. And Vesilo says, no, you start with one, you mostly and you add until you get to eight. So he says this too goes into the machlokis between potential and actual. The first day of Hanukkah, in terms of the nace that occurred to the Chashmonayim, they had this tiny little bit of oil, lasted for eight days. So there was the potential for the miracle of this oil to last for eight days when you got to the first day. And then after the one day of a miracle, there was a potential for seven more days of miracles. And then so too said there's six days left, five days left, and so forth. So therefore, you start with eight, which is the days of the, the potential for how long the miracle will last. And Basil says, no, no, no. We look at the actual miracle. The first night, so we had a miracle for one day. Second night, we had a miracle for a second day, and so forth and so forth. What we celebrate is the actualization of our potential. And this very much is within the Hashkaf, as we know, Halacha, B'chol Malkom, Hillel. We paskin like Beis Hillel against the base of Beis Shama. It could be there's some sort of a Kabbalistic passage that we don't fully comprehend because uh, Torah is immutable. We don't change the uh, halacha, but some sort of a Zohar passage 
that indicates that in the future the halacha will be like Beishamai, whatever that means, it could be that at least hashkafically, what the passage of the Zohar is teaching us is that in the future there won't be any kind of a separation between a potential and realization of potential. That in the future, Yemosa Mashiach, everybody will fully realize their potential, everything will come out, it being fully realized, fully actualized. In the very beginning, there won't be any separation anymore between potential and actual. But now, now there is a separation. And our job in life, we think about it, is to actualize the potential, even this time of year. You get through the early holidays of the year, so much of it is about putting our potential in place. So when we make commitments to a Kaddish Baruch Hu, we're going to do shuva, we're going to be good, we're going to be better, and so forth, that a Kaddish Baruch Hu says, okay, the tzaddikim, I'm going to give you a pass right away. I know that I can rely upon you. The Beinonim will give you some more time until Yom Kippur. Okay, good. Yom Kippur comes along and we say, all right, so now hopefully everybody has a good judgment, but maybe not everybody put all of their commitments into place properly. Not everybody did a full-fledged shuva. Okay. So we'll find some basis to say the real Gemar Chasima, don't worry, you, you have until Hoshana Roberts. Okay, we'll give you some extra time. Um, this year, uh, right after Hoshana Rabba, also didn't, didn't look so good, unfortunately, for Klau Yisrael. So we have the, the Hasidish Sfarim that tell us, don't worry, we'll give you some more time. Or the potential that Beishamai um, spoke about over the course of, uh, of Hanukkah will give you the chance to actualize that over until the last day of Hanukkah, like Beis Hillel. We'll go until Zos Hanukkah. We'll go until the last day of Hanukkah. And then finally, finally, that'll be the real, real, real Gemar Chasima. You don't find sources that take you past Hanukkah, past the last day of Hanukkah. So now we're really put to the test. We made all of our commitments, particularly in the aftermath, the wake of this uh, terrible, terrible war attack upon Klai Yisrael, not only in Eretz Yisrael, but as we've seen, upon Klai Yisrael all over, all over the world, even in all of the major countries, cities, places where Klai Yisrael is located. It's been an attack against all of us. It's been a ruthless and relentless uh, attack that only seems to grow more fierce every single passing moment. Sometimes I make the mistake of saying, you know what, I'll give myself a little bit of chizik. I'm going to uh, uh, go on uh, the computer, I'm going to type the words, support for Israel, and I'll be chizik myself through seeing, okay, here are the following countries, places, uh, major politicians who support Israel. So I type in support for Israel. This is why Americans don't support Israel anymore. This person used to support Israel, doesn't support. This is why you shouldn't support Israel. This is what I get when I type in the search term. So, so, so don't, don't type in search terms. Just <laughs> sit, sit and learn and do mitzvahs. Don't, don't, don't succumb to your, to your, to your Yetzirah like that. Uh, so uh, the uh, so this is uh, this is a time uh, right now in which uh, we're really being put to the test um, in terms of uh, our tshuva. Uh, how are we actualizing our tshuva? This is what uh, Tu B'Shvat. This is what the month of Shvat reminds us about. This is the time uh, to really put things into practice, and this is really what we're reading about right now in our <laughs> parshios. This is the example that was set by Moshe by Moshe Rabbeinu. Uh, called out to Moshe and he mentions his name twice. Moshe, Moshe. Now there are other figures, there are other figures in the Torah whose names are mentioned twice. Moshe Rabbeinu is not the only one. You have Yaakov, Yaakov. You have Avam, Avam. But when Yaakov is mentioned twice, Avam is mentioned twice, there's a psik. 
there, there's a little line that separates between the first occurrence of the name and the second occurrence of the name. With Moshe Rabbeinu, there's no psik. There's no separation between the first occurrence and the second occurrence of his name. What, what's the reason for that distinction? So uh, Rav Chaim Belozhener, in his uh, commentary, Ruach Chaim, to Pirkeiavos explains uh, the reason for uh, that uh, distinction. He says that uh, the other avos, uh, the other great, 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 great figures, um, so they were certainly um, uh, unbelievably great individuals whom we are constantly inspired from. But of course, the human being is like we're all human beings. As human beings, uh, there is a distinction between the absolute uh, ideal uh, potential of ourselves, which is etched in Shemayim, and that which uh, clothed in our physical garb in this world we're able to accomplish. Uh, so, for example, there's a, a medrash, a very striking a medrash in uh, Parashas of Ayetze, the medrash Rabbah, that speaks about Vinei Malachei Elokim, Olim Yardim Bo, that the angels are going up and down the ladder and they're going Olimbio Dimbo. What's the word bow going on? They're going up and down bow. What do we assume bow is? We assume bow is Vinay Sulam Mutsav Arza, right? Roshoma Gia Shemaima, Vinay Malachay Elokim Olimbio Dimbo. They're going up and down the, the ladder, obviously. So says the Madrash Rabbah, not, not, not so fast. Mandama Olimbio Dimbi Yaakov. They're going up and down Yaakov. Uh, they go up the ladder and they see the vision, the pristine vision, ideal vision of Yaakov Avinu, which is etched on the, the Kisei HaKavod, which is etched in the Shemayim. And then they go back down and they see uh, a human being who's, who's sleeping, who's sleeping on the ground. Malim, Biodimbo, Avzimbo, Kavzimbo, Sontimbo. They're jumping on top of Yaakov and they're screaming and hurling insults at him. Saying, Atu, Shiukinim Shachach Hakuka Lamala, Olim Lamala, Vroim Ukinim Shalom. We go up and we see your image, your pristine image of what you're supposed to be, which is etched in Shemayim, Biodin Lamata, Umotzim Oso Yoshem. And we go down and we see that you're sleeping. We see a human being, a frail, mortal human being who's just sleeping. Are you kidding me? So they were frustrated. So they felt that as great as Yaakov was, it didn't match exactly whatever the pristine image of Yaakov's potential was in Shemaim. But Moshe Rabbeinu, Moshe Rabbeinu stands for this idea, stands for this ideal of a fully actualizing and reaching one's, one's potential in terms of uh, taking all of one's qualities and making the most of it. That's why you find that there is only in this last week's parsha when we're discussing the genealogy of Moshe Rabbeinu, does it give the fact that Moshe Rabbeinu's father was named Amram and his mother was named Yocheved. Uh, beforehand in Parsha Sushmos, it just said uh, that uh, th- there was a fellow, Mibes uh, Levi, right? Mibes Levi, Mikaches Bas Levi, a fellow from Shevet Levi who married a woman who was from Shevet Levi. Uh, so why is it that uh, only when Moshe is described after having been appointed as the leader of Klai Yisrael in Parsha Sveira, are we told finally that uh, by Hushanot, the names of his father and mother were Yocheved and, uh, and Amram, respectively. So I believe I saw in the name of Rav Moshe Feinstein that the explanation 
is very straightforward. That when is it that parents should take nachas in a child? When Moshe Rabbeinu was born, that so they looked at him, uh, and he kitovu that he was uh, he, he was he was so his, he, he was so radiant that he lit up at the entire uh, the entire room wherever he was with his enormous potential. But it wasn't until he actualized that potential and showed himself to be such a tzaddik to show his tremendous selflessness on behalf of Klai Yisrael, his tremendous care and compassion for everyone. Only then was he, when he was appointed by a Kodesh Baruch to be the leader of Klai Yisrael, okay, so then it's appropriate for parents to, parents to Shep Nachos. Uh, then we could say, oh, okay, Yochevet and Amram, Ashrei Yolantam, look at uh, the, wonderful, the wonderful child that, that they gave birth to. Uh, so this is uh, the time to mention their names because it's a celebration of what we have actualized. This is the famous Medrash, which is quoted by the Teferis Yisrael. Some say that it was misappropriated um, from, uh, some, from suspicious uh, unknown sources. And Rabbi Yaakov Yitzchak Rudiman, supposedly he was the Rosh Hashiva of Nehri Yisrael, put a big black magic uh, marker across uh, this entire comment of the Teferis Yisrael in his uh, Mishnayos because uh, he didn't like uh, this, uh, this commentary so much, or this part, comment of the commentary. But uh, the Teferis Yisrael, of Yisrael Lipschitz, was a great commentator. He brought this medrash. We have to take it seriously, and it's quoted by later, later Meforshim as well. It's a medrash that says that there was some Arabian king that heard about uh, the greatness of Moshe Rabbeinu, uh, that he's leading the Jewish people out of Mitzrayim, and uh, somehow uh, was, uh, the, uh, was the uh, champion of this uh, incredible um, exodus and series of miracles. He wanted to know, what is he made out of? What's the, 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 what, what, what is the, the, the metal of this human being? So he sent a great artist to take a portrait of Moshe Rabbeinu, whatever was the equivalent back then of Rembrandt. So he sent his uh, local Rembrandt uh, to draw an etching that you should see, like uh, the essence of uh, Moshe Rabbeinu. I guess Moshe posed for the picture. I don't know exactly what happened. <laughs> Somehow he brought uh, back the portrait and he, and he shows off uh, the, um, the, the portrait to his uh, physiognomers who are the experts in terms of being able to interpret a person's character traits through their image. The physiognomers look at the image and they say, this person has the worst, most vile character traits of anybody that we've ever seen. Uh, he says, how can it be? This is uh, considered to be like the greatest man in the world. Either the artist got it wrong or the physiognomers got it wrong. So this Arabian king goes and he visits Moshe Rabbeinu, I guess, in, in the desert. And he sees Taka, at least the artist didn't get it wrong. That Moshe Rabbeinu looks exactly, exactly like the portrait. Most incredible thing. It must have been a Rembrandt and not a Picasso. So he's able to look and he sees, okay, this, this is the person. This is the person in the picture. Um, so it could be the physiognomers got it wrong. Um, so he's trying to figure it out. So says Moshe Rabbeinu, no, no, no. Don't worry, says Moshe Rabbeinu. Your artists are great. And your chachamim, they're great too. You have, you have a good set of physiognomers. Don't put them to death. Ulam dalacha, but you should know. He says that the truth of the matter is that you heard these wonderful things about me. I'm like a dried up piece of wood. He says that I have every single one of the chisronos. In terms of my natural inclinations, so I could go 
in a very bad direction. It's perfectly possible. I could have been even worse than that. However, I was able to channel my strengths to overcome all of those negative character traits until I was able to become exactly the opposite. And that was the greatness of Moshe Rabbeinu. The Moshe Rabbeinu was able to overcome all kinds of hurdles, all kinds of challenges, and become his fullest, the great potential to become his greatest, best possible self. This is probably what the Ramah means when the Ramah says that every, in Hilkos Shuvah Parakeh, every single person could be like Moshe Rabbeinu. Even every single person. One of the 13 Ikraimuna is that there can only, there's only one Moshe Rabbeinu who received the Torah and gave over the Torah. You mean everybody can be like Moshe Rabbeinu. It means everybody can be like a Moshe Rabbeinu in terms of realizing their, their, their full potential. It's not necessarily a contradiction, like some felt, that uh, how do you stim this with the fact that Moshe was born so perfect, uh, that he was so tov, uh, that, uh, he was, uh, that, 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 that the area where he was located was uh, lit up uh, radiantly with his uh, illumination. It means uh, that Moshe Rabbeinu, if he would, overcome all of the negative traits uh, that a human being has, let's face it, um, so he could become the greatest, greatest man ever. But it doesn't mean he didn't have a Yetzirah, he's a human being. Being like everybody else, he still had to work very, very hard on himself in terms of fulfilling his potential. That's what Moshe Rabbeinu stands for. That's the idea when we speak about a geula. Who was it who was worthy to bringing us a full geula? It's somebody who worked very hard on himself to actualize his potential. This is probably why that when we speak about actualizing potential, it's tied in so much with the, the theme of Chodesh Shvat, the idea of Tu Bishvat, of Beis Hillel, that we speak about when the tree is ready to, is beginning to fulfill its, its potential. So it's not so coincidental that the Torah was given over um, on Be'ashtei Asar, Chodesh Be'achadosh, the Chodesh, Ho'il Moshe, Be'eras HaTorah Hazos, that when is it that Moshe Rabbeinu began to explicate the Torah to Klai Yisrael as they're about to enter into the land? So that was on the Ashteyasar Chodesh. What is the Ashteyasar Chodesh? Anybody know? What's the 11th month? It's Chodesh Shvat, Chodesh Shvat. So this is when Moshe Rabbeinu, not coincidentally, he did it on the first day of Shvat. So he began with the potential, but then Moshe Rabbeinu stood for the idea that we're going, we're going to actualize our potential. So an important, uh, an important actualization of potential that's true not only on the individual plane for every single one of us, well, we think about it nationally for Klau Yisrael. This is a time that we've been called upon to actualize our potential. When Yaakov Avinu gathered all the Shvatim together in order to give them the brachos, so he said two things. If you look at the Medrash Rabbah in Parshish Vayechi, it says that one thing that he did when he gathered them together, um, he says um, that you should all be united with each other. So Rabbanan Amri, Tziva Osa and Alam um, that he told the Bnei Yisrael, you're going to be in a period of Golos and you're going to eventually be redeemed by HaKadosh Baruch Hu. 
He wanted to tell them when Mashiach is going to come. So he really wanted to give them words of inspiration. He said, one thing that you got to tell, that you got to do is, don't be divided against each other. You should all be one Asifa. You should all be when is it that we say he was shuin malach? We saw say for Ashayam Yachad Shiftei Yisrael. When is it that we have the protection of God as our melech? It's when it's Yachad Shiftei Yisrael. Below Bisman Sheish Machlokes Beinechem, and not when there's Machlokes between you. You can't have Machlokes amongst yourselves. But the, the second thing that he said was that he noticed that the Ruach HaKodesh escaped him when he wanted to tell them when Mashiach is going to come. So he got a little bit worried. He said, <laughs> Ah, maybe there's a different type of machlokis. Maybe there is a different type of a fallacy that you have. Shema yesh bovavchem machlokis ala Kodesh Baruch Maybe you have a machlokis with Hashem. Maybe you are not properly devoted and committed 100% wholeheartedly to a Kodesh Baruch Hu, to the service of a Kodesh Baruch Hu. So they responded and they said, don't worry, Yaakov, our father. Shema Yisrael. Yisrael here is a reference to Yisrael Saba. It's a reference to Yaakov Abinu. Shema Yisrael. Hashem Elokeinu Hashem Echad. Kashem Shem Belibcha Machlokis Ala Kodesh Baruch Hu, just like you are one with Hashem. Kach Ein Belibeinu Machlokis Ala Hashem Elokeinu Hashem Echad. What did Yaakov Avinu say? He said, Oh, Parach Shem Kavod Machusol the Olam Bread. Thank God. I know that your hearts are in the right place. So you know, when we say Shema, the entire year we say Shema Yisrael, Hashem Elokeinu Hashem Echad, twice a day. Then afterwards we say, Barak Shem Kavod Machusol the Olam Bread, but we say it silently. Why do we say it silently? Well, we know. It doesn't appear in the Torah. So we say it silently. Moshe Rabbeinu heard the Malachim say it. So it's like a secret of the Malachim. So we say it silently. Um, we say it because it's a, it's, it's a great thing to say. Malachim say it, but we say it silently. No, Yaakov Avinu said it. Why do we say it silently? So I saw a beautiful, beautiful vort in the also the Moshe Feinstein, the Darash Moshe. He says as follows. He says as follows. He says that we really would want to say loudly and proclaim the entire year of course, a blessed be the God's kingdom eternally, forever and ever, the glory of a God's kingdom. We want to say it because it's dependent upon Shema It's dependent upon Shema Yisrael Hashem Elokeinu Hashem Echad. The entire Jewish people being united. Being united means that we don't have machlokas between ourselves, but we're united, united under the banner of a Kaddish Baruch Hu. Can we really say confidently? that every single Jew has that sensibility. Achtus requires, on some level, that we need to know what we're united about. That we're united in the, the service of keeping the Torah. So most of the year, eh, we can't say 100% that every single Jew is exactly in this category. So we say it quietly. Moshe says, we say it quietly, so... Uh, we, 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 we don't include such a large population. We know, okay, everyone in my base medrash, everyone in my shul, so they're, 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 they're holding my Shema Yisrael. So I could say it quietly, but to say it loudly, you're including all of Klai so we only do that on Yom Kippur. You know why we only do that on Yom Kippur? Oh, according to the first shot, I understand. So we're like Malachim and Yom Kippur. Uh, they and Malachim say it. That's the generally, that's the popular shot. He says, no, I'll give you a better shot. Yom Kippur, we say, that on Yom Kippur, that's when everybody comes together. We have the Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur Jews. Everybody shows up to, to, to show. Everybody has that sense that they want to do tshuva, that they want 
to uh, be connected to a Kodesh Baruch Hu. There's a blank check, a Kodesh Baruch Hu cleans everybody's slate, says, this is fine, I'm going to give you another chance. So this is when we know that all the hearts are coming together. We can be done, the Kafskus, we can assume that all of Klai Yisrael Yom Kippur is doing Shuvah. Then we can proclaim out loud, Baruch Shem Kavot, Malchuso, Leolam, Ba'ed. So with that a thought in mind, so it's important to ask the question. So really, Yaakov Avinu, we're told, wanted to tell them uh, that when Mashiach is going to come, the Shekhinah left him, so he had a kasha. Oh, maybe the Shekhinah left me because my children aren't devoted to Hashem, but they reassured him they are devoted to Hashem. So why did the Shekhinah leave him? Why did the Shekhinah leave him? Why? I'm going to leave, leave you with this thought. Why did the Shekhinah leave him? So the Shlana Rebbe, the Shlana Rebbe, brings Pshat, he says... Because what does it mean? He wanted to tell them when the Mashiach is going to come. Do you know when the Mashiach is going to come? Right? Every day, every day we, we, we pray is the day that Mashiach is going to come. We don't know exactly when Mashiach is going to come. But the Gemara tells us, Pasuk in Yeshayahu, Be'ita Achishena, Mashiach is going to come Be'ita at the right time. Achishena, but I'm going to hurry him up. Which one is it? Be'ita? It's going to be at a certain point in time. Is it Achishena? It's going to come in a hurry. Which one? So the Gemara says, well, it depends. Zachu achishena. If you merit it, so then it'll be fast. It'll be for quicker. Lo zachu. If you don't merit through your actions, so then, um, then be'ita. Then it's going to be whatever is the last possible time the Mashiach could come. So Yaakov Avinu wanted to give some reassurance to his children. No matter what, even if... You're not going to be so perfect. We know that there's a certain point in time in which Mashiach will not tarry. Beyond that point in time, I'm going to tell you when it's going to be. I'm going to give you the exact date. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu didn't want that. He didn't want that because it shows a lack of confidence in Klai Yisrael that we're going to be able to expedite Mashiach sooner. That we're going to be able to actualize our potential as a people all come together and declare Shema Yisrael, not only Yom Kippur, but the entire year. That we're going to fulfill all of our aspirations individually and as a people, we'll be able to do it. And therefore, Zohu will be able, Achishena, to bring Mashiach even sooner. He should not lead the impression that, oh, it's only going to be on this date and nothing's going to happen prior to that date. That's the wrong message. And that's why, Kodesh Baruch Hu took away the Shekin. I had... A very, very illustrious relative in Eretz Yisrael, who was nifter about a year and a half ago, it wasn't uh, with uh, a lot of um, publicity in the standard newspapers because he was um, his own personality. He didn't always follow the party line, shall we say. His name was Rav Yol Schwartz, Sechet Sadik Levacha. He's the Mashkiach of Itri Yeshiva, very prominent personality, wrote hundreds, hundreds of svarim, wonderful, wonderful person. And in his later years, he wrote a lot of svarim about the meaning of the times that we live in. He played a lot with gematrios, different illusions, things, things of that sort. So people would ask him, they would say, oh, he seems to be tuned in to like ultimate truths. So they would say, Rav Yoel, Rav Yoel, when is Mashiach coming? You can tell me. I won't tell you. <laughs> when is Mashiach going to come? You know these things. When is Mashiach going to come? Rav Yoel would say, Mashiach, Mashiach lo yavo. Mashiach lo yavo. Woo! Whoa! What's going on with him? Has he really lost it? Mashiach lo That doesn't sound like, you know, a very firm perspective. Mashiach lo yavo. He repeated himself. He said, Mashiach lo yavo. Atem chayavim lehaviyas ha-mashiach. You're obligated to bring the Mashiach. So that was his response. Not a question. You're going to wait back. 
and we're going to just be passive recipients of when Mashiach's going to come. That's what the Kaddish Baruch Hu said to Yaakov Avinu. No, 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 no. It's not that the Mashiach's just going to come. You have to explain to your sons. They have to bring the Mashiach. Emphasis on Achishena. So that's what these times should inspire us to do. My Rebbe, Roshach Shlita, came to Eretz Yisrael and he was speaking in various places about what we should learn from this terrible, terrible tragedy that befell Klai. So he said, Kaddish Baruch was clearly sending us a message. What's the message that he's sending? He said unmistakably, the message is we need to have Achdus. That's the message. That's why, I went there. That's why many of us went in the march of Washington down in the march in Washington, Washington, D.C. We need to have this sense of Achdus. We need to have a sense of actus. There has to be an actus which is also centered around the Muna and be talking in a Kodesh Baruch Hu, a recognition of fulfilling our potential in terms of Eshmiras and Mitzvos, in terms of Yerash Shemayim, in terms of Midos Tovos, in terms of Gemilos Chasadim, caring about each other, Mr. Shem, and the Schus of our doing everything that we can to actualize our potential. Kodesh Baruch Hu should bring the Mashiach from Hera v'yameinu and save us from all of the travails of this world and usher us into Yemosa Mashiach from Hera v'yameinu.